Hi, this is Eric Gurna, President and CEO of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. Welcome again to Please Speak Freely. This is Eric Gurna, and I'm here with Aaron Regenberg, who is the executive director and co-organizer of the Providence Student Union in Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. So, um, Aaron, why don't we start out by just talking about what Providence Student Union is and what you all have been up to. It's, it's a relatively new organization, um, but I know you've done a lot in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just give us the little spiel about what, what PSU is. So PSU is a, a youth-led uh, direct action organizing program. Our mission is to build the collective power of students across Providence to ensure that youth have a real say in the decisions affecting their education. And uh, the concept is that we 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 try to we work to fulfill that mission in sort of two different prongs. On the one hand, um, developing student leaders who who learn how to make decisions and how to think critically about their world and the inequalities in it and who understand um, understand some basics about how to make change in our in our world um, and then who can lead our organization and also go on you know for the rest of their lives being leaders and organizers uh, for change in our community and then the second prong is our actual concrete, organizing for real improvements in in schools and in the district um, both to to make those actual changes that that students need and also to try to um, over time change the decision making process so that uh, the goal is at some point we're at the place where when folks are making decisions that affect students they have to think to themselves all right what would students think because they know that students are going to be there to hold them accountable mm-hmm and and how did it first start? So the the program started uh, around three years ago, um, when a group of students at one high school in Providence, Rhode Island, called Hope High School, um, came together about this particular issue. They had um, a block schedule at their school that allowed for more common planning time, um, more time with their teachers, more electives, a few different things that students felt strongly about. And the district, uh, in its sort of one-size-fits-all standardization craze, uh, decided we're going to change that. And it, it, was, it was just an issue that the school community had really bought into. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of pushback among teachers and students. Um, myself and the other current staff member at the Providence Student Union, we, um, we sort of came upon this through our work as undergrads. And um, we saw a space where maybe we could we could offer students an actual room and like snacks to do what they seemed to want to do, which was which was try to f- fight this thing. And so we we just kind of went with it and saw what would happen. And students at this one school came together and they they organized what turned out to be a pretty pretty effective, sophisticated campaign for the fact that that no one involved really knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there were actions at the school board. There was, uh, you know, lots of meetings with decision makers. There was a 400-student walkout. Um, and it really gave these student leaders at this school a taste uh, 
a taste for activism, for seeing that if they if they do something, people will actually pay attention, and they will see themselves in the newspaper, and they'll right. see that that once they part put, start putting pressure, uh, they they will get a response in some way. Mm-hmm. And so after that campaign happened, uh, which was really, I think everyone involved at the beginning thought it was a one off sort of thing. Um, the folks that everyone involved thought said to ourselves let's let's keep this going let's see what we have to do we've got other issues right and so uh we 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 turned it into a sort of actual after school program where students come together after school um think about the issues that they want to change in their school and uh and go for it and you say you you came across the issue in your work as an undergrad um walk me through that a little bit i i'm, I'm thinking about you know, your role here as an undergraduate student at Brown, um, you came from, you're not from Providence, correct? Right. You're from where? Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're here from, from out of state, like so many people are going to school. And um, mo- I feel like most people who are in a town where they're just, you know, they're an undergraduate, especially at a, you know, a Ivy League school like Brown that has so many um, activities to offer and such so- social life and all that stuff they're not really paying much attention to the local school system. So what led you and your your, your partner to um, to notice even what was happening at Hope High School? Mm-hmm. Well, so I think at Brown, there's sort of, there's sort of three approaches that I noticed as an undergrad. One, there's the, our lives are great and we're like in this college that has all these resources and we don't need to think about the community around us. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, that's one set. And then there's particularly at Brown. I don't know about other schools. There's another set of people who are like, we're here to save the world, and we can like go into the community, and we have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's the group of people that here in Providence, people like really get rightfully pissed off about because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, have you thought of this? And they're like, yes, of course we've thought of that. We've mm-hmm. been working here for 15 years on these issues. Mm-hmm. You have not. Um, and so. And then there's and then there's like a group of students who are really trying to work in solidarity with the community and, and trying to think about how they can use their privilege to help out folks who are doing good work. Mm-hmm. And I, um, my organizing partner and I were sort of on a. What's pa- his name? I'm sorry. His name's Zach Mazera. Great. I just want to make sure he gets credit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, and I think that I sort of I came to this school um, from, as you mentioned, not from Providence more on the on the second group and it was a process for learning what real sort of community work is um but but how we came to be involved with the school was um we were doing a particular program where we were spending a week during our winter break living on, in the floor of a church downtown and really studying deeply or as deeply as you can in in a week um, one issue, and we were mm-hmm. looking at urban education. So we were just going around meeting with different groups, uh, different activists, different teachers, um, and we happened to, to meet with a group of teachers at this one school, Hope High School, who were sort of in the throes of reali- of, of hearing about this this change that the district was doing, and, and we're talking about how, how big of an effect it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was sort of at the point where I'd done a lot of service in the community, mm-hmm. tutoring and like after school clubs and like assistant teaching kind of stuff, not organizing stuff. And um, 
after you know meeting more people in the in Providence and and learning about some of the issues, I was starting to realize that that service is really good and important, but um, but trying to get at the root issue of mm-hmm. problems uh, is a more sustainable strategy, and so mm-hmm. that's sort of where my head was at when started meeting these teachers and then students who were talking about they have this issue and they don't feel like their voice was heard. And mm-hmm. that seemed like a root problem. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the way to get at it was for, for students to, to stand up and try to make their voices heard. Mm-hmm. So the problem, the, the root problem you saw wasn't just about what was driving the change in the scheduling process, but it was also about that um, young people's voices were not being listened to in the process. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, per t- Obviously, different reforms are important and different pedagogies are important. Um, but I think one of the most important things is just whatever particular reform or change it is that there's buy-in from the community and that people are saying, yeah, we're, we're into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whatever, whatever the issue was, whatever the school department's reasons for why they needed to do this, and whatever students' reasons were, there there was a fundamental disconnection, misconnection, in that the school department wasn't listening to to the students who were actually being affected by the decision. Yeah, um, and and so that that to me was more more than like this particular issue, the block schedule. It was about it was about there doesn't seem to be a place or a process or structures for students to. Um, to be involved in those decisions, which are affecting them way more than they're affecting the administrators mm-hmm. at the at the school department. So that was you said three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So skip to now, um, three years later, and you have um, Diane Ravitch, who uh, most listeners to Please Speak Freely will know, but she's a former assistant U.S. Secretary of Education, professor at NYU, uh, has a book just coming out or just came out? And I'm trying to remember the name. Reign of Error. Reign of Error, yeah. Um, and her, her previous book, uh, which I'm going to blank on the title of too, do you know it? Death um, and Life of the Great American School System. Thank you. Or something like uh, that. Was this huge deal in um, all circles around public education policy in this country as she had um, you know, backed away from her previous position um, in the Bush one administration where she was really pushing for high stakes testing and all these high stakes accountability policies and was now seeing the sort of error of her ways and really um, pushing for uh, to get back to um, a schooling that was more holistic and and humanistic and not so much based on, on just scores and um, data. And so Diane Ravitch is uh, probably one of the top activists around education and most listened to activists around education in the country today. Um, And she has uh, recently written that the Providence Student Union is a national exemplar of brilliant media-worthy civil dissent, whose members represent the best of American youth, independent, creative, active, and fearless. So that's, um, you know, less than three years after this initial meeting with the teachers at Hope High School and the organizing activities that you helped uh, with at that school. How did you get to that point? Um, where you know we can talk about some of the actions that um, happened last year. I think they're pretty exciting for people to hear about. But before we do that, sort of what was the growth? Mm-hmm. Um, so really how we got to that point is we is uh, independently students decided to, to join in on what has become a real movement. 
Um, in in our most recent campaign, which students uh, have been have been waging against high stakes testing, mm-hmm. before um, before working on on that very controversial issue uh, for the last however many um, however many years, the Providence Student Union did a did a number of sort of school based um, campaigns, some simple things which you know sound. In some ways, sound oh, that's that's what kids would want. But in other ways, I think they're really they're they're pretty fundamentally important things, like working to get better lunch mm-hmm. in the cafeteria, working to get, um, working to force the building contractor to actually fix up the nasty broken bathrooms. Um, some things that uh, that don't seem intimately connected with like, actually improving learning, but in a lot of ways, I think it, they're sort of like if you're not being treated like a real human being, how can you actually commit yourself? And so yeah. you need to have, need to have some of those things. And so we, we grew from this one single school chapter, um, working on some of these issues, we decided to turn into an actual real citywide organization or, or give it a go at least. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because a lot of the students in our group, we kept having this conversation where students were like, well, let's work on this issue. And we had to say, yeah, but that's, that's a big issue, right? Can we really do that from this one school chapter? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's work on this. Well, oh, so maybe we need to have other school chapters and, and grow this this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so last year was really our first um, as a as a citywide organization, um, starting up chapters at other at multiple high schools around the city, um, and uh, there was some school based organizing as well going on. But what um, what sort of came out to be the most urgent issue on a lot of students' minds was a Rhode Island's recently uh, implemented policy which um, turns our state standardized assessment into an, a high-stakes obstacle to graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this issue that really got us doing some larger sort of statewide organizing and bigger demonstrations. I'm sorry um, to interrupt you, but just to, mm-hmm. to back up a second to clarify that what that means is that they're, they're making it so that if you can't pass the test, you don't graduate. Right. Right. So there's a, there's a f- number of other different graduation requirements we have here. You know, there's obviously credits mm-hmm. and then there's some sort of um, senior project or performance um, assessment. And previously the state assessment, the standardized test, sort of was in the mix but it wasn't a make or break sort of thing and they and they changed it to make or break um which put this year on students according to their test scores this year uh 4000 students have been at risk of not graduating 4000 wow um which Maybe for listeners in bigger states, sounds like oh, that's not that much. But in Rhode Island, you know, that's a, that's a well, that's a, a big of people, number, regardless yeah. of context. Right. Um, so students students were like, no, this this is not fair. This is first of all, this is blaming individuals for systemic failures because what the what obviously we're hearing is, you know, students are not don't have the skills and knowledge they need to succeed. And so we need to like have them commit themselves and and work harder. And if we have this stick raised above them, they will. And students are saying, 
there are definitely problems, and yes, students are graduating without the skills and knowledge they need to succeed. But to say that the individual student is the is the is the main factor here, um, when you have sixty five percent of students in Providence not scoring high enough to graduate right now, clearly there's something systemic going on, and, right. and to point all the blame on students doesn't make sense and isn't fair. Um, and secondly just what students have seen every day in their classrooms with with this high this additional high stakes added to the test is that of course as you see across the country and as lots of research shows curriculum gets narrowed uh teachers are in a position where they sort of have to teach the test even if they don't really want to mm-hmm. it's sort of uh it sucks creativity and and engaging and motivational learning out of out of out of instruction. So anyway, students are really uh, feel strongly about this, and we decide to to get in the mix and, and see if we can draw some public attention and awareness to the issue. Mm-hmm. So let's let's uh, sort of delve in there. What what were some of the actions that the group took to to draw public awareness? This is where it gets kind of colorful and fun to me because um you know people imagine that all uh, organizing and activism is um, is marches, and certainly there were marches here in Providence, but they were not necessarily your typical, always your typical um, march. So, um, and they weren't all marches either. There was you. You have I know that the Providence Student Union had actions that um, were a little bit more creative. So, um, tell us about some of those. Yeah. So we the the first action was just that students we wanted to to do something. And so the first thing was a really just traditional, we did like a rally sort of thing at the state house. Mm-hmm. We did it during the legislative session. So legislators had to see that there were a bunch of students here and, and hear them in some, some sort of way, um, force the governor to at least like invite students into his front office for like a few minutes to, to hear from them. Um, so there, so they, they started off with that and it was, you know, it was whatever, it was fine. Um, and we needed to keep, keep escalating, keep up the pressure and keep, most importantly, at this point, we just wanted to get people talking about the issue because we had this thing where 4,000 students were at risk of not graduating and no one was really even, it wasn't in the public dialogue. So we wanted to put it on the agenda. Students were trying to think of, of ways that would, that would get people's attention um, and also that would be fun for students to do. So students, after that first action, at the state house, students wanted to really do something that would get a lot of attention on the issue, um, and they wanted to particularly highlight the um, the curriculum narrowing, the creativity sucking comp- um, aspects of the system of the policy. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly remember how it happened, but but zombies are big, and everyone this was sure. this was in February of last year, which I think was like sort of a peak of zombies being well, big. Well, we'll see. It could well, get even bigger. Who knows what will happen, but um, but it was let's uh, let's show how this thing is zombifying us. Uh-huh. Um, and so we we said let's do a we were going to do some sort of like march to the Department of Education, and we thought why don't we do that march as zombies to show that uh, we the students of, of Rhode Island are being turned into the into the undead, mm-hmm. both in that it's sucking, you know, our creativity and our brains out like zombies do, and that it's, you know, this policy, if it's 
potentially leaving so many students uh, without diplomas, you know, that is in some ways a death sentence because it's sentencing you to to a life in poverty. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a maybe a sort of a heavy uh, way to describe it. I think that there would be a lot of people who would want to argue whether not having a, a high school degree is a death sentence exactly. But I think to your point that obviously if you look at it, if you look at the generalities, research bears it out in terms of lifetime income and, and all those other indicators of success later on. Right. Yeah. And and from students' perspective, just being in environments where there's a significant amount of violence, they've, yeah. they've actually seen people who've, who are no longer living because of the lack of opportunities that they've had. Sure. Um, yeah. Or who've turned to violence and, and so that, that cycle. So anyway, um, we went for it. Students, we got a bunch of baby powder and, and face makeup and corn syrup and food dye for blood and ripped a lot of shirts and um, met up at the park downtown. Students from schools around the city. We had a whole, uh, some students got their zombie stuff on already, but we had a little station and we, uh, you know, dragged, dragged ourselves Mm -hmm. growling and moaning towards the Department of Education. So that was, that was a lot of fun for everyone involved, which I think uh, is a really important component of, of organizing, particularly for students. It's gotta Mm -hmm. be fun. Um, It got new folks involved and it did get a bunch of attention. Um, you know, obviously, news cameras love like visuals, and so when they heard, oh, students, that was that was something that they were sure. interested in. Student zombies marching through downtown. Right. I mean, it's it's um it fascinated me when it first came out in the media, um, and I you know was reading the articles and everything because it uh, it reminded me of sort of activism from a few decades ago when there was more, I feel like there was more thought put into spectacle and into engaging the sort of creativity of the, of people involved as a means, as you said, just make it more engaging and fun, but also to draw this new kind of attention to it because there's a certain, I think, uh, numbness that comes with sort of the, your standard rally, you know, people who aren't involved sort of see it and they're like, Oh, okay. You know, there's a protest, whether it's um, whether there's a strike, you know, a union-related matter or um, some other kind of you know action, but when there's something like that that's like a real spectacle, there's a new, there's suddenly a new way of looking at it. Um, so I just I was heartened by that because uh, I've been, I mean, kind of frankly bored by a lot of the typical sort of standard activism that's that's been happening, you know. Um, so. I guess I, I don't know if there's exactly a question there, but uh, and I, I don't want to. We we you know we can't you know there we didn't suddenly sort of like emerge as these like creative new phoenix or whatever. We um, I remember one thing that was when while we were trying to think of things to to do, students and we all were like looking for different student protests. And one thing that was really inspiring, I think, this was around the same time that the. Um, protest the student movement in Chile mm-hmm. was really taking off, and there were there were just a bunch of really creative things that they were doing down there. There was this they did this one like superhero protest where there were like thousands of people dressed up like super. So they did a bunch of cool stuff, um, 
and it was, it, I think it was inspiring for students to think, oh yeah, we can like push beyond the, the boundaries of what maybe right. we've thought. And all these people, thousands of people in Chile are taking the streets and doing this. So why not here in Providence? Yeah. And was that something that, uh, students came across just through the media? Was it something that you as an organizer drew their attention to? Um, yeah, so we, I think, um, as the, as the facilitator, we, we often try to like start off meetings with, a um, a good hip hop song or, or like other sort of interesting YouTube clip or something that just get people thinking. And, um, I think there was a, there was a few really good, um, Chilean protest clips that we mm-hmm. saw that, that we started off meetings with and just got people talking. And was there any communication b- between you and the the activists in Chile doing uh, that work? There wasn't. Uh-huh. But but the the other thing that I w- would say on that is this was also at the same time that the Chicago stuff that was happening last year was a was a big um, inspiration. While this was all going on, mm-hmm. the Seattle um, mm-hmm. the Seattle boycott. Um, at Garfield High School was a was a really big inspiration. This is where the the teachers actually boycotted giving the test because they didn't feel like it was a accurate measure of of student learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we were starting to sort of connect with some other student groups in in not not in Chile but in in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this sort of there was this sort of feeling of we're not alone, which was yeah. really good for students to feel like it sort of gave our youth um, the the courage to do things because we knew it wasn't just us. This is happening yeah. around the country. So to, to bring you back to, I think we, we sort of got on off on yeah. a side path, but I wanted to bring you back to something you were saying, because I think I know what you were leading to, which was that the some of the conservative commentators or whoever who were um, reacting to the uh, initial student protests were saying, you know, you, you should just work hard and take the test, right? And so um, what? where did that sort of feedback lead you? Yeah, so I, I remember it clearly. We were in a meeting and um, a student was, was, was talking about how, I think maybe they were looking at some uh, some comment thread on some website with an article about what we had done. Um, and it, it, it was again, Oh, you said we should just take the test. Well, why don't they take the test and we'll see how they're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of just hung in the air mm-hmm. and then, and we were all like, Oh, that maybe that's an idea. Why mm-hmm. don't, why don't we try to get some of these decision makers to take the test? Mm-hmm. Um, and and really see how good of a indicator of future success uh, it is. Mm-hmm. And so we decided. That's when we decided to do our our next big event, which was the take the test event. Um, the The goal was the goal was get a bunch of success, sort of objectively successful adults, mm-hmm. um, as and as many of the actual decision makers. As possible, we didn't actually end up getting very many, which which I'll I can mention in a bit. But um, to take the test themselves, to to sort of put what what all those conservative commentators were saying to, to the test, mm-hmm. students just set about thinking of all the different people who we should ask, and and then going about asking them. Um, and so, interestingly enough, what we found is that most of the people who supported the policy refused to actually. Uh, 
sort of put their money where their mouth is and take the test themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so the commissioner of education, um, I was I was there when students asked her, asked her, and she she got quite defensive. And you know, I have a PhD. I don't blah blah. blah I don't need to take this. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked some of the board of education members, board of regents members who had voted for the policy to take it. None of the ones who had voted for it would. Um, would any of the others do it? We didn't get any board members to to okay. um, take it. Um, some other sort of education policy leaders also refused to take it. The head of TFA in Rhode Island, the head of Democrats for Education Reform. TFA being? The uh, Teach for America. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, a bunch of people were willing to check it out. And so we had, in the end, it was a group of 50 um, people. Um, there were a number of elected officials. There were state senators. There were state representatives. There were city council people. There were representatives from the Providence mayor's office. Um, there were successful attorneys. There were some scientists, an engineer. There was um, there were directors of some major nonprofits in Rhode Island. So a pretty distinguished group of folks. Um, students invited them to come to the basement of this library um, in one Saturday morning, and um and it was this it was this really great i think all the students involved just had a had a blast because they got to read the direction you know they yeah. found the same directions that get read to them they read them yeah um they got to be like sort of proctoring walking around sure they actually took they took uh a cell phone away from a former providence city councilor who <laughs> took it out during and it, and i it was actually like he was his son was like at a bar mitzvah or something that he needed but anyway so so they had a lot of fun um and the message that that they that they gave it that i think was pretty strong of uh you know some of you probably will do pretty well on this test some of you probably found it pretty challenging and and are not going to do well but i think what we hope most of you will agree is that where you are in your life and your success and your abilities is not measured all that effectively by how, by whatever your score on this test is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, th- and when we graded their, their tests that seemed to, that seemed to um, play out of the 50 elected officials, uh, 60% would not have scored high enough to graduate <laughs> from high school under this mm-hmm. policy. <laughs> Um, so that, that got a bunch of attention. Um, Diane Rabbits had already, had already sort of picked up on some of our work, but she really, she really dug that one. Um, and, and it, I think we, you know, we have, um, in our program, we have different training workshops on like different organizing skills. And we had, um, one this summer on framing, and and students were were talking. To, we were learning about the concept of how do you frame an issue from the perspective that you want. And they and they were like, oh, like with the the take the test. And I mm-hmm. thought, yeah, it really it was a good framing because up until that point, the dominant frame had come from the Department of Education, and it was you know students are not you know there's low expectations. We need higher standards. We need to raise everyone up. This is this is for every this is this is good. 
And I think that was pretty effective for, for a lot of people in our state of, of reframing it to really lo- look at, yes, we need higher standards, we need, but is this, does this act, is this actually what we think it is? Is this actually measuring what, what matters? So one of the things you said when you first started and gave the introduction about what PSU is, is that it's this vehicle for youth voice and it's, it's youth-led. And um, I know from my own experience uh, that that can be a tricky thing that could, it can be a tricky thing being the um, the young adult who's facilitating and organizing this you're uh, you know as as the years go by you're further and further away from them in age but when you started you were a student at Brown you were probably 20 years old or am, am I right something like that mm-hmm. um, and you're just a few years older than the, the young people involved um, and but even though there's not a huge age gap there's also a difference because you're not coming from the same situation that they're coming from. You're a student at Brown and they're a student in the Providence Public Schools. Um, and as this work ha- develops and it gets bigger um, and you, I assume, start getting some funding coming in to help keep this going, uh, decisions have to be made. I'm wondering how do you navigate uh, the balance of young people being in charge and leading the way and you and your partner and any other staff members that you might bring on um, leading and facilitating and making decisions that you have to make? So, very good question. It's probably the the thing that we, as staff, uh, think about the most and spend most of our time sort of constantly uh questioning and and thinking of and and I guess I guess for for most organizers I'd assume that that's that's a that's a constant question um of trying to figure out what exactly the um what exactly being an organizer is um for for me I think where I am is number one um Number one, recognizing that there is a role for an organizer, right? Like mm-hmm. you're do you're you're doing something that is helping this this organizing to happen, and if uh, and your goal is to get to the point where you're organizing yourself out of a job. You want to be thinking about how do we get it to the point where I don't need to do this and where a student can do this. So this uh, over last at the beginning of last year, um, the adult facilitator, I was I was doing a lot of the of the of the work in writing some of our like press Mm -hmm. materials Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out well, we don't want to be doing this. And so it was, you know, training students on how to, on how to do that. And and then, and then eventually we have this one really great student who sort of took over and is our media organizer and, and does that. Mm -hmm. So sort of on specific like skills and all those different things, you want to always be thinking about how do we, how do we organize ourselves out of a job? There's sort of like the role of an organizer in doing community organizing. And then there's the role of an adult in like a youth organization. Mm -hmm. It's offering the advice from our still limited but but more but larger field of experience mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. on issues. It's trying also to be a sort of a moderating force, <laughs> um, which which is another really tricky thing. For example, when students are like, "Well, let's let's do a big walkout or something," yeah, we have to really think. We have to, you know. The, I think the adult is there to be like, well, let's hold up on that. Let's think, is this the time? Do we have the capacity? Does it like really make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, taking risks is good, but let's actually think this through. So that's sort of as the adult, that's that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say if the group really wants to do whatever, they're t- this thing, if that's what they want, even if you think maybe that's not the best thing for the organization right now, obviously that's what happens, but you want to be making sure that, that students have the different perspective that they're hearing from and, and mm-hmm. thinking about. That's um, also like a, a process facilitation, right? Cause it's, it can be moderating or it can be, it can intensify the idea, but the idea is to take the time to really think it through. Mm-hmm. And then you have faith that the group is going to come to some uh, intelligent decision about it mm-hmm. is that isn't, isn't that right that it's 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 not just to always sort of tamp it down but it's also it's mostly to say let's think let's look at this from all sides before we make a decision yeah yeah and some as you as you said sometimes that leads to like the opposite of tamping right. down of like oh we, we really need to like put ourselves on the line here right um yeah i think the word facilitation is is the key one mm-hmm. how closely connected do you feel to the uh to the experience that the students who are in PSU are living. And I guess maybe I'll, I'll ask another question first to sort of get at that. What, what, what was your own experience in schooling? So my own experience in schooling was totally dissimilar to the experience that our students are going through. Um, I went to mostly small independent schools. Mm-hmm. I, um, I always had teacher individualized attention. I always had lots of electives. I always had all the resources I needed in school, and I always had all the resources I needed out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm coming from a place of of, of major privilege, um, and uh, I think. I think that certainly has its major downsides in this work um, in that I think we all want to be working towards the point where the Providence Student Union is an organization that's both led and staffed by people who are or have experience as Providence students. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the other thing with organizing ourselves out of a job. We, you know, at some point, um, we'd love it to be handing our, the work over to, to our alums. Right. Um, there's a, there's a, the silver lining of the difference in experiences is that I can often, since we, since the work we do is about, schools and education, but it's also a lot about inequality and, um, and building students, strengthening, helping students strengthen their critical consciousness, uh, of the systems that are at work in our society. 
um, it's, it's, it's often pretty helpful for me to be able to like draw on my own experiences and explain to students, like, by the way, this is, you're talking about this just so you know, that's like, that's not how it is for everyone. Right. That's not how it has to be. Right. As like a pretty affluent white kid, this is what I had. And this is what, like, this is what our society there and then whoever ride or whatever they're saying, this is what's good for you. But this is what they said was good for me as like a, as an affluent white kid. Why is that different from what they're saying you need? Yeah. And that, that's always a, such a critical point to me. You know, when we look at the, I, you know, listeners of please speak freely have heard me go on about this over and over again, that when you look at the schools that, uh, you know, the, sort of elite of society are sending their kids to, they're not mostly faced with this kind of environment, these kinds of um, expectations, the testing, the data-driven stuff. I mean, if, if you, the, the top example to me, a couple of the top examples are where Obama, the Obamas send their kids, Sidwell Friends in, in D.C., which is extremely progressive and holistic and project-based and all of that stuff. The, the, the lab school in Chicago where, where Arne Duncan himself, the secretary of education, where he actually went to school, um, doesn't have any of these things. And so it's like, well, wait a minute. If that's what they're, where they're sending their kids or where they're coming from, why are they advocating for a different um, set of you know, resources for public schools in, in our country. And so it's, to, to me, there's a, there's a huge benefit for you to come in with that experience as long as you have the um, self-awareness to, to be analytical about it. Um, and it's, it was interesting to me when you, when you touched on these three different types of Brown students, you know, the ones who just want to study or party or how, you know, just be in Brown and the ones who want to save the poor kids and the, and the ones who sort of engage collaboratively with the community around them. And you had said when you first came in, you were, you felt like you were in more in the second group. Um, and then you, your, your thinking changed the way you were able to listen. People must've changed. Um, and the way you engaged changed. So, and I think that that has to do with self-awareness, right? That you're coming in, um, being able to, share your experiences in a way that's not uh, condescending. Um, I think that's hugely helpful because, you know, some of us have never even visited the kinds of independent schools that you went to. So, and the, I, I got the opportunity for the first time, uh, I guess it was a year or two ago to visit this new independent school in, uh, in New York city called avenues, which is like sort of right out the gate is uh, one of the top competing with the, the very, very top private schools in New York city. And I was like, wait a minute, this is possible. Like I had, I walked out of there. I was excited while I was there. And I was like, just super juiced by all the resources they had. And everyone was having such a good time and so engaged. And I left and I was furious and I was like, why am I so angry? And, um, and it was, it was like the difference between that school and another school that I had worked with down the street, uh, you know, public school, which was getting, you know, after school grants. So they met a certain level of, socioeconomic status and all that stuff. The difference was just stark. Uh, and the fact that, that that was possible, that there could be such a divide, made me so angry. But then to be able to bring the experience in a positive way and say, no, it doesn't have to be this way. There, there are these other ways of doing things that actually do work. We, that's proven out. This whole testing thing is an experiment. But this other way of doing things that you experienced yourself was actually proven out that you can successfully emerge from that mm -hmm. um we actually um hope high school where we started yeah um where we've had our programming the longest is literally 
literally right across the street from uh, a private school called the Moses Brown School mm-hmm. in Providence that's like has this massive campus and it's just it's really really nice um it's and one of the things that we that we did for one of our workshops is we just um and it'd be great if we could do an actual tour but we i walked around moses brown taking pictures of um just everything of the their hallways of their classrooms which you know have like tables instead of because they're actually for like discussion right of their whatever they you know their art room and their shop room and their blah 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 um and their cafeteria um and then we and we the workshop in the workshop we just passed around the 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 pictures of this school which is literally right across the street from these students at this school and we just like had a discussion about it and it was a really great discussion of like first of all what (laughs) like how is how can this be so different and then like just posing the question of so did those students do anything different from you to deserve that Mm -hmm. versus what you deserve uh and obviously the answer is no and and why couldn't you actually do a tour we may maybe we can it's it's just something that as i was saying that i was was, like oh we took pictures but maybe we should try to actually do a tour right right um because they can't really say no I mean, they could say no, but it, they would risk the bad publicity. See, that's what you have. And I think it's a, and I don't want to say yeah. anything bad. I mean, it's sure. it's, a, it's very similar to the school where I went. Um, sure, no, and it's 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 nothing. It's it's about the system. Yeah, we're, right. we're talking about it's nothing about that particular school, but but it's interesting though because you now that you have the zombie march behind you and the take the test day march behind you and these other actions, when you approach something, you you if they know about the activities of the PSU, you now have this more credibility and weight to it because people risk bad publicity for themselves depending on how they engage with you. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? I don't know if you've, you all have thought about that way before. It could even be something interesting to discuss with, with the students themselves that you establish yourself as someone who actually has power and then people are forced to listen to you and, and engage with you in a different way. This is a nice, uh, nice public image you got would hate for something <laughs> bad to happen. That's to right. It. That's right. And it, you know, it's a, uh, to me, it's just a really fascinating thing what happens because these kids come together because they're angry about testing and the schedule changes and the food in the cafeteria and all these things. But they they learn along the way that it doesn't take much to be able to actually establish the power that you do have. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can actually, through these these activities, they can realize that they have the ability to organize and do those things around whatever issues that they face. So where is PSU today? We uh, we just started the 2013-14 school year. Uh, what's what does this year hold for you? And how do you how do you and your colleagues envision uh, where PSU is going? We're going to be in six schools this year. You know, I think the the goal is first of all at each school where where we're at, be figuring out how to how to be inserting some student voice into the just the basic operations of the school um two we're going to be continuing i think to be organized around this issue of high stakes testing which still is is something that a lot of students care about but we uh there's also a lot of um of energy in the group to be turning our focus on another big issue as well so we've got the school level issues and then a larger campaign that all the different schools can work on together Mm -hmm. um and you know as i as i said 
the goal in the coming years is to is to keep up this work and figure out the ways that we can really get that we can really be altering the decision making process and structure in our district and in our state um and it it goes back to what you said before um i think as we keep doing this work maybe hopefully we're going to be at the point where um where the powers that be are thinking to themselves what is what will students think about this mm-hmm. because they know that there's that there's some force that can hold them accountable from students well Aaron the the work is all super exciting and um I'm really happy to be able to talk about it and thanks for taking the time to be on please speak freely thanks so much it was great